I want to talk about today's message. We talked about the hope we have in heaven. We want to talk about revelation. I do have some questions that have already been submitted, some from our staff, some from others. But why don't you right there in the comments, go ahead and throw in your questions about anything and everything related to revelation, related to the topic of heaven, uh, the Bible, the sermon today. Obviously, we, we could talk about the COVID crisis and is this the end and all kinds of stuff. So let's get some questions going to get things rolling. Why don't we read one of the questions that came in from one of the staff and uh, we will go from there. I'll read this, Greg, and we can start to hash that out. Sure. Uh, one of the questions that came in from the staff was uh, they quoted the verse when it said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Uh, the, the, the quote of Revelation 21, then they quote the prayer of, Je prayer of Jesus when he said, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And then he, the, the question was, what is the difference between heaven as a somewhere else and heaven coming upon earth? Um, They, they both seem to suggest that we are going to be like Jesus physically, but we're living on earth in heaven. I'm trying to figure out how to frame this question. I know what he's saying. Um, I think what the question is, is, Greg, let me ask this question to you. Is heaven a place? Is heaven uh, a reality? Is, and as a Christian, what does it mean to live in the light of heaven? What does it mean to... You know, how do we understand heaven and then how is that supposed to affect our lives? Because Jesus, the Bible clearly tells us, like we talked about today, to look forward to heaven. But Jesus also seemed to say things like uh, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He would say things like uh, when you pray, pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So there was very much a now element to heaven, but also a not yet and a coming reality to heaven. How are we supposed to understand this? Yeah, just a, a little softball to kick things off. I like yeah, that. Yeah, easy one. Yeah, just describe heaven. I like that. Yeah, in your experience. <laughs> well, yeah, the Bible does uh, does describe heaven as a real place. It's, it's not some abstract uh, thing that we just kind of conjure up. It's a uh, it's described as a real place. Um, in fact, the Bible actually talks about about three levels of, of heaven. It talks about uh, you know the third heaven. And biblically, what we normally understand that to be is the first heaven is just our atmosphere, um, the firmament, just where where the clouds are, where birds fly. That's that's the, the first heaven. And then there's uh, outer space, which which we, would be the second heaven. Uh, just and then the third heaven would be the place where God dwells. And we don't really know, you know, where that is, you know, um, but we do know that heaven is the place where God's presence is most. Uh, strongly manifested okay um, so it, heaven is where God is and uh, and we live with that promise that that we will be able to spend eternity with God in heaven uh, we will spend eternity with him in his presence um, and that as you said that has both a, a here and now component yeah. and it has a not yet here uh, component so the kingdom of heaven is here, but it's not fully realized yet. You know, it won't be fully realized until the second coming, until Jesus comes again. 
and takes his own to be with him. Yeah, that's good. Sorry, I got halfway distracted because the uh, the Instagram people are having a riot because they can't hear Greg. So, oh, uh, cool. I'm not as official as these headphones make me look, uh, Instagram. So I'm gonna have to tell you. Why don't you jump over to Facebook and you can hear the whole conversation. And then maybe next weekend, I'll figure out a way to uh, to include you too. So sorry, a little 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 bit a uh, little bit biased for Facebook tonight. So sorry, IG, we're we're signing you out. Peace. So yeah, that was that was good, Greg. I think one of the things though about understanding heaven is uh, i know there's this terminology about like the now not yet component of it so yeah you know if you think back to the sermon today john is john's talking to jesus he says then i saw a door open before me and jesus says come up here and i'll show you something before what must take place before these things take place so it implies a different place a different space that he had to go however it's interesting right. the door opened right in front of him so mm -hmm. the door opens before me. And so it's not right to think of heaven necessarily as like geographically tied in as you and I think it is. It's no, um, I don't no, want to nor, out too nor hard, to think but, of it as being abstract. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think maybe to think of it in terms of a dimension mm -hmm. is probably easier. I don't know. Um, but there's definitely the Bible talks about heaven being a place in the sense of even right now, like Paul says to be absent from the bodies, be present with God, that there actually is a space. Like when you die as a believer, uh, you go and you are with, you are in the presence of God. And that's what that book I, I quoted in the message, uh, the John Burke right. book, you know, it talks all about people who have, who have actually been in God's heavenly presence. Um, and, and so there's, clearly a, a a space but at the same time there's a there's an authoritative reality of heaven that jesus wants us to live under and express through us and that's a really important thing and i think maybe in the past and greg you you are older than i am so in the 80s like you were more like socially aware i was just a kid in the 80s but there was a, a high value, at least in evangelicalism, put on heaven as someday, heaven yeah. as a place you go. Are you ready? You know, if you die, are you going to go to heaven or hell? Those questions, which those are very valuable questions not to be thrown out, but maybe at the expense of thinking about heaven as a, as a present reality. Um, I wonder if, if I look back at that era, uh, it does seem like there is a premium put on heaven someday but not heaven today. And I think there's a tension we're supposed to manage when it comes to living in the reality of heaven. If we just think about heaven as a place where we go, what happens is mm -hmm. we slide into something called Gnosticism, where basically heaven becomes this disembodied place where you know matter, our bodies, the earth, these are bad things. And really it doesn't really matter what happens. Uh, as long as you, when you die, you get to go to heaven and live happily ever after. That's not biblical. That is not the ethic that Jesus taught at all. Jesus very much taught, you know what, like you need to consider heaven. You need to be ready uh, when you die to go. But also Jesus spoke more about heaven's return here and being ready mm -hmm. for when like the, the skies crack open and Jesus comes in his fullness. And so 
when Jesus spoke of heaven, yes, it was a place, but it was a reality to live your life under in the here and now. Something we look forward to coming in its fullness, but something that we walk in and we embrace in the here and now. And so when Jesus did miracles, he was doing them in the authority of God and the authority of heaven. Uh, the same way, you know, um, there's that scripture. Where is it? Uh, is it in Ephesians, Greg, where it says we're ambassadors? Uh, we're ambassadors of Christ. Mm -hmm. What that it's means Ephesians. is we take, yeah. we actually take the power, we take the authority of the nation we represent. And so, you know, like in the Roman time, Rome was a place, but Rome was also a dominion and Rome carried certain authorities. So to, to, un, to take heaven the way the Bible really wants us to, it's, it's a hope that we hold out here in front of us that really informs our life. It anchors our lives that we talked about today, that it anchors our lives. It's where our treasure is. It's where our hope is. But also it's a power and it's a governance that we are supposed to seek to invade our lives, to govern our lives, and to actually touch others' lives. And so it is both a coming promise and a present reality that we're supposed to constantly live under. Um, heaven should just be something we think about, we dream about, but we, we also like experiment with, we walk in, uh, all of that. That's more of a holistic view of heaven. And, and one more thing, and I think Greg, I want you, I want you to sh share, I feel like you got something, but... Um, when the Bible speaks about the very end, like if you read Revelation 20, 21, 22, it actually speaks of heaven and earth coming together in a new yeah. creation. So the heaven that is heaven's there right now, hang with me, is also temporary. Yeah. So the same way earth is temporary, so is the current heaven that, you know, like my grandparents or my uncle David that I was talking about that I believe are there right now, um, that reality is also going to pass away the same way the Bible says the earth is going to pass away. And that's what it's talking about in Gen uh, Revelation 21. Where it says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the new heaven came down like a bride adorned for her husband. Uh, and they came together as one. And that's the picture the Bible paints of heaven. Like we are, we are to long for heaven's intersection with earth that will come in its fullness someday, but we also embrace it as a, as a present reality today. Yeah, that's a, that's right on. Um, you know, that's actually what I was going to say is that there, you know, I've talked about heaven as being the place where God dwells. And the reason I put it like that is because in that, that chapter in revelation 21, it talks about how God's presence is among his people on the new earth, how right. they, that comes together. Uh, so that you're right. The heaven that we, picture right now is different than what heaven will be like then you're also right that in that uh that the view that i grew up with was kind of in the in the future it was right. heaven was something to look forward to not necessarily to experience now yeah you know we talk about eternal life and uh i think the the natural way to think about that is to think that well you live this life right now you die and you start eternal life right but the truth is eternal life has already started for those of us who, who have chosen to place our hope and our faith in Jesus. hundred percent. That's and that. I think like the, uh, the scripture there in John 10, 10, where Jesus says, I've come, you would have life and have it more abundantly. That word life is the, is like the word Zoe. And it's like, it, it's, it's all encompassing life. Like there's a, there's a Jewish term. I think it's like Haye Olam or something like that. Haye Olam or something. I don't know how to pronounce it, but the Hebrew, 
Um, and it actually means like, like a total, a totality of life, both now and forever. And that's a huge piece. I would say, Greg, though, what I, what I was going to, was going to mention was, I think if there was an error, maybe 15 years ago, it was putting too much stock in tomorrow and the coming reality and not enough in the present reality. And I would say now, um, maybe in this, in this era, I would say we don't talk about heaven, the promise and the reward mm -hmm. of heaven enough as far as a future reality. I've kind of tabled that. Um, and I'm all for reaching for miracles, experiencing heaven now, experiencing the authority of Jesus right now. I'm all for it. If you've ever been to church, our church, or heard me preach, I, I, we, we reach for those things. But I actually feel like uh, we need to talk more about heaven and dream more about heaven and, and meditate more about heaven as a coming reality uh, to offset the hope we have. And I wonder if maybe like these times like we're in with the COVID crisis, you know, one of the reasons maybe we don't think about heaven is you and I, most of the time, unless some one of our loved ones goes through some type of illness, most of the time live in an unbelievable amount of comfort and security. And we don't need to really think about heaven. But if you look throughout the ages of history mm -hmm. um, and even around the world, like, like people are way more in tune with, with the promise of heaven in the gospel uh, as a reward, as an ultimate return than maybe you and I are, because we, we are unbelievably rich and unbelievably blessed uh, to live where we live. I, I think sometimes we've, we've lost heaven um, as being a great reward and promise uh, for us to look forward to. All right, what else do we have for some questions? I'm just making sure we're still, are we still alive? We're still looking good. I, my video froze a long time ago, so. See some other questions coming in. Let's pull some up here. All right. At what point do you believe the rapture will take place? <clears throat> I have heard before chapter six. All right, we're gonna jump into the rapture, Greg. <laughs> huh. Do we dare? Well, sure, <laughs> to hop right on in. Well, that, that I mean, frankly, the, the 80s and 90s talk bridges nicely into rapture it conversation. Does. Some of the movies that came out, especially in the late 70s and uh, through the early 80s, uh, were all about the rapture, you know, A Thief in the Night. And, uh, and uh, they were really, you know, I, I watched them in youth group growing up and they were really kind of scary. You didn't watch <laughs> them on YouTube growing up. Yeah, did I say YouTube? Yes. Youth, youth group. Oh, youth group. My youth oh, sorry, group sorry. Youth up. group, yes. I That's was right. ahead of my time, you know? Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, I used to watch those. The, the rapture. Um, can I just say, first of all, I'm not an expert on these topics. Same here. Yeah, I've studied them. I've preached on them. Um, but I've got a lot to learn. My, my uh, positions have changed over the years as well. And so I'm very careful to become to not become dogmatic about any particular point of view. Yeah. Uh, and part of that is too, when I look at the prophecies of the Old Testament about the first coming of Jesus, and I see how far off some of the scholars were at the time, yeah. and what they were expecting Jesus to come as and what he actually came as, uh, I'm very careful not to take that same approach and, yeah. uh, and feel overly confident that I've got it all figured out. Totally. Uh, and the truth is there are people that are, are much smarter than, than me and smarter than you that that have well, devoted their entire lives to this and uh, studying this, and they can't even agree. 
Yeah, um, totally. Well, Greg, so, could you tell us 88 reasons why Jesus <laughs> came back in 1988? Yeah, yeah, there was actually a book that came out in 1988 um, called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Happen in 1988. Yep. Um, what was the sequel? It was, it was supposed to be between September the 6th and September the 8th. Uh, and uh, apparently, I wasn't living in the States at the time, but from what I understand, the uh, U.S. Christian channels uh, were, you know, giving rapture updates regularly <laughs> leading up to that time. Indeed, And then when were. that didn't come into uh, fruition, when it didn't happen, uh, the guy who wrote that book came out with another book the next year, 89 Reasons Why It's Going to Happen in 1989. It came out Shameless. with another prediction in 93 and 94. Um, you know, people can become so convinced that they've got it all figured out, but... Uh, you know, Jesus said that no man knows the day or the hour. Uh, and so I'm, I'm very careful to, uh, to say exactly where I'm at on that. Yeah, me too. Uh, what I do know is that what the Bible says is true. It's, 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 uh, it provides encouragement for life. It lets me know that some things are going to happen. There's going to be good things. There's going to be bad things. I may or may not be here, depending on, on your, your view of the rapture and the tribulation and all of that. Uh, but in the end, I have eternity to, to look forward to. Yeah. Way to dodge the question, Greg. Thank um, you. I'm, I'm well, <laughs> well practiced at that. Uh, man, you should, uh, should go in politics. This pastor thing ever doesn't pan out for you. you know, pass uh, some babies uh, around so I can kiss them. Although I guess I can't do that right now. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the, let's, let's, let's hop on the rapture for a minute so the word rapture uh you might be surprised to know it doesn't actually appear in the bible um it's taken from a word in first thessalonians yeah. uh where paul it's first thessalonians 4 where paul is talking about the end like when christ returns and it says there's a word uh i think it's for, like uh they caught up it says they'll be caught up in the air and, and it's speaking of uh, Christians in victory being assembled with Jesus and is from the word caught up. So I think like the Greek word rapios or something like that. So um, that's where that's the only space in the whole Bible that even sort of hints towards the word where we get the word rapture. Now, if you, uh, you know, if you were part of the church in the last 20 years, you probably have an understanding of the rapture to be something like this. Um, Nicholas Cage is flying uh, an Air Max 787, and <laughs> he's he's heading home. And all of a sudden, half the world, or a third of the world, or a quarter of the world, the Christians just start disappearing. Helicopters start smashing into buildings. Cars go into fire hydrants. Dogs are now walking themselves. We'll get to your dog question later. I saw somebody ask, "Do dogs go to heaven?" I hope so. I just got a new dog. Um, but your your uh, your understanding of the rapture probably looks like that: this sudden disappearance of people that go to heaven uh, at the moment that Jesus decides to come back. And now, these things aren't untrue, in as far as like you can trace the the sudden disappearance of people. That Jesus spoke about that. He yeah. spoke about uh, the day that Jesus comes that that one will be in the field and the other, the other will be taken. And like that, like there'll be this, this sudden reclaiming of the people of God. Like that is biblical. And, and he all, and Jesus also said, as Greg spoke, that you will not know the day or the hour, which that all, that should both tell us two things. One, it's going to come suddenly. 
and two, you're not going to know when. So if you publish a book called 2020 <laughs> Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 2020, um, you're wrong. Because actually, like the moment that you put a date on it, I can guarantee you, based on the authority of the word of God, Jesus didn't come back that day. Like, even if it's just to, to honor his word and prove yours wrong, I don't know. No one's going to be like, there, I, I predicted it. Nobody. Um, but you can trace all of these things back to something in the scripture, the disappearance, the sudden reality of it. So Jesus putting a premium on being ready. Like, he's very clear about be ready, be watchful. This is what the 10 virgins, that, that parable is about. I mean, Jesus talks more than anything else. There's sections in Matthew, like getting in Matthew, like 25, 26, 27, 28. Like Jesus talks about some pretty heavy, gnarly stuff that we need to just be watchful and mindful of. So the, the basis of the rapture is accurate in the sense of be ready, be alert, be mindful. You know what? The 80s did have it right in the sense of don't be a fool and just <laughs> pretending like everything's just always going to go on this way. It's just not. So that's correct with the rapture. Um, another thing that's correct with the rapture would be uh, that the, the, the kind of just the, the, the suddenness of it, that it's just going to be a surprise. Like Jesus says, it's like a thief in the night. But that's just about all the Bible really speaks about what you and I have conjured up as the rapture. And that whole doctrine has really been given too much play in and of itself. Um, people have an understanding of the rapture that isn't actually biblical. They don't know why they believe it. It's just been something they've been given. Um, and really, the Bible doesn't preach about the rapture. It preaches about being ready. It preaches about being excited about the, re the return of Jesus. Like the first church, were, they all died expectant. And they all died like, I cannot wait till Jesus comes quick. Uh, yeah, there was a Maranatha. greeting the early church had. They would actually greet one another. They would say, Maranatha, which means come quickly, Lord Jesus. So the idea, idea of rapture, the rapture is accurate. But the rapture as a packaging uh, I think is dangerous. And I think it's actually not biblical and in, in the sense of how it's been sold. And I want to be very careful mm. on how I'm saying this, but I think it's been sold as this kind of mm. idea that's not, not really found in any of the teachings of Jesus. Even the first Thessalonians thing, it's, it's more speaking of the coming again of Christ is speaking of the victorious nature of the, his return, how it all plays out um, is very vague. And it's vague in, in the, uh, in the book of Revelation. You know, this gets into some of the conversation about like tribulation, right? I know one person asked already, are you pre-trib or are you post-trib? Which for those of you tuning in that have no idea what that means, uh, pre-trib and post-trib are referring to, and this is connected to the rapture stuff, hang with me, uh, the doctrine of the suffering that's going to happen to the earth in Revelation. If you start reading Revelation 6, seven, eight, nine, ten, like the the bowls of God's wrath start getting emptied out. The the seals that were holding back God's wrath get broken and just crazy stuff just starts happening. Mm -hmm. And there's been debate among scholars and preachers and theologians for a long time about whether or not Christians will be subject to 
the tribulation. So people who say they're pre-trib uh, would be people who would say uh, that Jesus is going to take Christians out of the picture, rapture them, uh, before things get too gnarly. People who are post-trib would say, no, he's going to give us grace to go through it just like, uh, just like normal life. Uh, he gives us grace. We're not exempt from suffering. We're not going to be exempt from the wrath of God poured out on the earth. And so the rapture has been connected to that conversation as well. Greg, are you pre-trib or, or post-trib? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? The, uh, the idea of a, a pre-trib rapture uh, really didn't emerge until the early 1800s, around 1830. Uh, and I actually saw somebody just comment on that as I was thinking about it. But it, it emerged then and it's become kind of the, the dominant view within evangelical Protestant churches. Uh, but it's really in, in, in the history of the church, it's relatively recent. Um, you know, and, uh, before that, you know, many people believed in a post-tribulation rapture, thinking that, as you were saying, that it would happen after, um, after the tribulation. Um, for much of church history, there was a, an amillennial, amillennialism point of view in that there wasn't a, a, a tribulation at all, but that, that we're currently in the church age or the kingdom of God age. Uh, which is going to be uh, finalized with the second coming and the rapture. And there's just all of these different uh, these different points of view, all of these different theories that are out there. And as I say, I've, I've bounced around uh, quite yes, a bit. Me too. I just know that, that some things are going to happen, good things and bad things, but I get to spend eternity with God. Uh, you, you were talking about how little the Bible actually says about these things. And uh, the Bible, I think, is vague for a reason. It, it is. Know, we're not instructed to... to uh, to figure out all the minute details of this, uh, you know, j jumping back to our conversation about heaven, much of our, our concept of heaven right now is heavily influ influenced by Greek philosophy. Yes. Uh, perhaps more than, than scripture a lot of times. Uh, and in the same way, a lot of our views about eschatology or the end times is influenced by popular novels, uh, more so than it is from what the Bible says. And I think yeah. there's a danger there. Yeah. Uh, and I, if I could also throw in, you know, talking about being a, a child of the 80s, I'm going to jump all the way up to 1981. There is okay. a, a cassette tape released by a, rock, a Christian rock band, Allies, that I used to love, I used to listen to. Uh, the very first words of one of the songs was, if you believe he's coming back tomorrow, then live like he's coming back today. Oh, uh, yeah. Which I always thought was really good advice. Because I don't know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen or how all of this is going to play out. I just know that I need to be ready. Yeah, I, and I think that's a huge piece. Let me say two things on that. One thing that jumped to mind what you were speaking is, um, you know, like people's view of heaven being more influenced by by Greek, by the Greek mm. kind of religion, Greek pantheon, all that kind of thing, than it is by the Bible. And let me just let me just press on you as the the listener tonight is where did you develop your your position? Um, have you have you like found have you dug in in such a way to know like if you just throw around like when do you think the rapture is going to happen or, or those kind of things like do you know like have you done the have you done the digging at any level to and this is something you don't have to be a preacher you don't have to be a bible scholar to do like you can go you can read study bibles you can find resources online that give you commentary that actually like even even just the most neutral commentary can give you some insight on maybe uh, theology 
and philosophy that you've developed from someplace that's not actually biblical. And the more I've studied the Bible and I've had the luxury of having a job that allows me to do that all the time, I've realized how many of my, uh, how much of my theology was formed secondhand or thirdhand and not actually something that I've studied. Um, and so, I, and I've said this from the pulpit too, like, just don't take a preacher's word mm. for it. Don't take our word for it. Like, don't just take some <laughs> blog post's word for it. You need to study, you need to, you need to get uh, an understanding of the scripture. You need to like, not just read one commentary, read six and figure out what the, what everybody's saying. Uh, that I would encourage anybody to do that. Um, the other piece would be this, when it comes to tribulation, rapture, even just interpretation of the bulk of revelation, don't let it get away from the main point at, at any point in, in your reading of the, of the book of revelation, which by the way, just, just fun fact for those of you, uh, there is no S in the book of revelation, <laughs> in the word revelation. Um, it's, it's just revelation. It's not revelations. It's, it's the apocalypse of John. Uh, just, just helping some people out there. It's just Revelation. Um, but in the reading of Revelation, it should never leave the purpose of it. It's to provide you grace and truth, grace and peace, sorry, and to give you perspective on things, to be able to see things. So, so he's trying to unveil some reality to you. Um, if at any point it becomes about having hidden secret knowledge, or if it becomes about, uh, you know, having this doctrine answer to that doctrine answer. It's, it's actually beside the point. The main themes of Revelation are this. Jesus is the risen Lord. He is good news for all who believe. Um, he is hot after his church. Um, he is the one who, who holds the seven stars and moves among the seven lampstands. Like he is involved with his church and his church will be a spotless bride in the end. He will have his glory uh, it does speak of the fact that his people will be saved. They will stand righteous forever and ever and ever. These are the themes in Revelation. It does speak of the judgment of the earth, but even in judgment, and then we're going to get into this in the coming weeks, but even in the judgment, um, you see wave upon wave of judgment and wave of repentance. Like God pours out his wrath on the earth. Even the wrath is unto salvation for people. He's can, he, they get heavier and the waves get thicker and more and more people return to Jesus, like throughout the book of Revelation. So the book of Revelation is all about Jesus. It's all about salvation. It's all about the reward we have in, in, for following him. It's all about his divine justice. Um, beyond that, like you're really kind of getting into, into nuts and bolts that are beside the point. Um, Jesus would never hand you a vehicle. That, that was supposed to take you from A to B and want you to get hung up on the circuitry. And I feel like sometimes when we get on talking about the rapture, we're talking about pre-trib, post-trib, I feel like you're getting, you're getting lost in details. You know, you're missing the forest for the trees, I guess, so to speak. And I would just push back and say, are you hearing the voice of Christ in the book of Revelation? Say, be ready, you know, be watchful. There is a moment, be repent. I mean, that's a clear theme in the book of Revelation to the church. It's a clear theme to the earth. Repent. Like, uh, hear those themes. Beyond that, um, I don't know how much is helpful to get into. Is it called this or that? Is it pre-trib, post-trib? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it matters. I think what matters is, do you believe Jesus is Lord? And are you ready for him to return, both in anticipation and in preparation? Are you ready? Are you ready? That's the question I think we need to ask when it comes to that book. Anything else, Greg? 
well, yeah, I uh, was thinking we were, you know, we were talking about heaven and uh, how we have heaven to look forward to here and, and later. Um, often one of the questions that people ask is how can God send anyone to hell? And stick with me, I'll, I'll bring yep. it back here. Yep. But people often ask, you know, if God's so loving, how can he send anyone to hell? Um, but what I've come to realize is that God doesn't send anyone to hell. Uh, we're going that way by our own choice. It's a choice that we're making, yep. but he's doing everything he can to bring us back and to offer us life and forgiveness and hope and a future with him. Um, and when we look at Revelation and uh, the things that are described there and some terrible things are, are, are described there, even though we don't really know what the interpretation of those needs to be, yep. uh, we recognize that there are some, some bad things that are happening. You mentioned the wrath of God. You know, God's doing everything he can to bring people back to himself. And if that means bringing uh, or allowing things to happen that would draw people to himself, then that's what he's going to do. You know, it's right. kind of a last ditch effort that he's going to make. Um, yeah, I was also looking at a, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit, but I was looking at a, a passage in Acts chapter 17, um, where it says that the, the Berean Jews were more noble character uh, than those in, in uh, Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness, and they examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Uh, and wow. just from that one little verse in Acts 17, 11, I think we see a great example of what we need to do with all teachings we yep. hear, whether it's about the end times or anything else. We need to take what we hear and compare it to what scripture says to see if it's true or not, whether that comes in the form of a sermon or a book or something we read online. Um, take what you hear, take what you see, and examine the scriptures to see how it lines up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's good, Greg couple of questions that came in that are kind of on the heels of this conversation before we move on. One question was, uh, do you guys believe Christ could return this year? Another question is, is there a difference between the rapture and the second coming? So let's answer the, do you believe Christ could return this year? Uh, the answer is yes. I think, I think a Christian should be, should believe that Christ could return at any point, which speaks back to what we were just talking about the book of revelation and the teachings of Jesus all put a premium on be ready at any minute he could come and he even told us like you know like spot the signs mm. and there have been other times on the earth that you could check the boxes on a lot of the signs um like wars and rumors of wars mm. famine pestilence like all kinds of things or he said like you're it's gonna you're gonna be able to spot the signs i would say the signs are there right now uh, the, the global virus is definitely new territory, at least in the digital age. Um, there's, a there's a serious locust problem uh, moving across. Did you see that? Have you seen some of the footage of that? Yeah. Like the locust yeah. thing that's going crazy. I forget where that is, though. I think it's like in, in North Africa, isn't it? I don't know. I'm not I sure. Saw, I saw a video on, uh, on Twitter. of a, you, go, you go on Twitter and look, look up locusts. There's like this crazy swarm of locusts right now. So... The signs are there. And here's the other thing I know. Um, we're, since I've started talking about this, we're 40 seconds closer to his return. Hmm. You know, like every minute you're one sec, you're one second closer to the imminent, to the return of Christ. So um, yes, I believe he'd come back this year. Do I think he's going to come back this year? I don't know. Um, I have no idea. Do I want him to? Yes. 
I'm actually at the point in my life where I want Jesus to come back. And that's taken, honestly, just full disclosure, it's taken me some time. It's, it's not been since I've started to study heaven and study even revelation in recent days where I've been like, you know what? The best thing in the world would be is if Jesus just, just showed up right now. Um, but the Bible tells us why he hasn't. It says in first Peter, don't think that Jesus, don't think that God is being slow to return. He's waiting to, to mm. have mercy on people. He's being merciful every day that Jesus doesn't return. Um, you know, from the Bible's perspective, he's being merciful to those who aren't saved yet because those of us who are saved, it would be far better if he just returned. So he's being merciful for the sake of those who haven't, who have not been saved yet. That's why Jesus has not returned according to the Bible. The, is there a difference between the rapture and the second coming of Christ? Um, I think that gets back into the, the weeds of language and, you know, uh, Traditionally speaking, if you go with the rapture stuff of the, you know, the last hundred years, I would say those are two different things in the sense of the rapture has traditionally been the thing where Christians get taken away. And the second coming is the thing where Jesus returns. Um, I would be of the mind to say that's kind of splitting hairs. And the Bible, the book of Revelation just speaks to the imminent return of Christ and and the us us wanting to see him return and to restore all things that's that's my take on it i think everything else is speculation and it doesn't really matter we're supposed to live like he could come back at any minute and that that would be the best thing ever to happen yeah agreed thanks greg no problem uh, that's fine here you <laughs> to agree i'm here to agree with you pastor brent yeah <laughs> I'm here to agree with you. Uh, what other what other questions do we have? Um, we've been talking a little bit about heaven. Um, let me let me let's jump let's jump over to a couple other ones. What is your favorite part of Revelation so far? We've been studying the Book of Revelation mm. since January. What is my favorite part? What's your favorite part, Greg, since we started studying the book of Revelation? What's been something that's like, oh, that's awesome. That has really touched you. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if it's my favorite part, but it's probably this is the one that would uh, resonate with me the most is uh, the, the letter to the church in Laodicea. Um, and it resonates with me because it's so easy to become apathetic and to become disconnected from your, your faith and disconnected from, uh, you know, focusing on the person of Christ and not right. even know it. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the uh, Laodiceans thought that they were rich, but they were poor. Mm -hmm. you know, th they thought they were well dressed, but they were naked. They, and they didn't even realize what they were lacking. But that passage also comes with a promise um, that if we're, we're earnest and if we repent, um, and if we, you know, it goes into that famous verse where Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Uh, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with that person and they with me. You know, uh, even for somebody who might become disconnected from their faith, if they'll turn to Christ, he'll he'll revive their faith and he'll he'll reside with that person again. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I think my biggest I, I, those those seven letters all bless me in different ways. I yeah. think overall. Uh, I'm really, I'm actually surprised how much I've loved studying this book. 
And it is quickly becoming one of my favorite books of the Bible. Uh, I think my favorite part of it is it really sews up and ties up the whole story of scripture. Mm. Like it, it really, it really is like the knot at the end of the, you know, the lace kind of thing. It's like it put it, it's the whole thing, the whole picture of the, of creation, of the fall, of redemption, of, of Christ, of God, of the grace and justice of, of the goodness and the justice of God. Um, and God's will, the whole thing, it's just the culmination of everything, which makes it so rich. Um, I was intimidated by it, and I'm glad I felt directed to do it because it's actually not as complicated as I feared. It is complicated, and it does take a little bit of study, but um, man, it's got, it's got so much to say for life right now, and I think that's my biggest, my biggest blessing, my biggest, my favorite thing about it is, wow, this book really matters. It's actually blessing my life right now. And that, that to me was, is probably the biggest takeaway. What other questions do we have? We'll spend a few more minutes. We don't go too long, but uh, I did see a question about um, uh, young moms watching tonight with her girls wonders if uh, animals will go to heaven. Do I think animals will go to heaven? Oh boy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Biblically, there's nothing that says they will, but there's nothing that says they won't. I don't think, not that I know of. Um, I'm not sure. I do know one thing. Uh, there will be no regret and no mourning in heaven. And so I can deduce from that, that my dogs, both my dog who's died 15 years ago and my new dog, like, I love very much like, and it was legit. It wasn't, you know, we love our pets. It's not just uh, a superficial thing. There's a deep, a deep care. Those, those of you are pet owners, especially there's a, they aren't human. They aren't one of your kids, but they're pretty darn close. They're, they're family members at some level. And so I think there's a, there's a heavenly quality to that. And I think it speaks to something to come. Uh, I think it would be reaching though, to just say, to make an assumption that they're all there. I honestly don't know. I don't know other than God put that connection. God put uh, a mandate on human beings to be his image bearers. And I think God cares about animals. I think God cares about the planet. I think that nurturing thing in people to want to have pets and to want to look after animals uh, is, is a godly is a godly thing but as far as whether or not you know spot and fluffy will be in glory i don't i don't know and i can't speak to that all i know is this you will be missing nobody in heaven um so i i hope so as a pet owner i hope so but bigger than that i trust jesus i trust jesus with how he brings it all together so hopefully he recreates Kaylee and, uh, and Lewis for me, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Greg? Is there, is there, a, is there a book? Is, there, is it in the book of hesitations? Well, there, there is a movie that all dogs go to heaven. That, there you, that's, so there is that. Not in the canon. Um, I guess that'd be, again, Greek philosophy or whatever. Yeah. Uh, no, there's nothing really in scripture that tells us one way or the other. 
would be fantastic yeah. if, if they are. Um, yeah, I would say to that mom and the girls or the, the, the kids watching, um, God loves that you love yeah. your pet and would want you to love it fully, expecting that you can love it forever and tr to trust him with how, with how he works all that out. It's going to be awesome. Heaven's going to be awesome. And God's going to look after you and your family really good if you follow him and serve him. So I would just good. say that and to trust him with your pets and those pets that you love. So I wish I could find a Bible verse for you, but I, I can't. Well, I, I will say that, you know, contrary to that idea of heaven being uh, just, you know, we're, we're spirits floating around in the clouds playing harps. Um, it's described, you know, we, we, you know, one of the questions we had earlier address physical bodies are we going to have physical bodies yes we are and they're going to be glorified bodies but there's a, a physical quality to them we're going to live on a on a refresh or a, a, a new earth um so there's every every reason to expect that there are at least going to be animals there i don't know if the same ones or not but yeah there's I no, think, no I reason think to discount that this question it does come back to speculation and i would put yeah. it in the same when we get talking about heaven and we get talking about uh, the return of Christ and the end times, it's very easy to get into speculation and it's, it's okay to speculate. Let me say that it's okay to speculate. It's okay to wonder. It's okay to guess. It's okay to say, you know what? I think based on the character of God, based on the flow of scripture, I think that animals will be in heaven. It's okay. As long as you say, I think. Um, but mm, yeah. the difficulty is, is sometimes we can't separate speculation from biblical doctrine. And mm. it's just important that we, we know what the Bible unequivocally says. And then we, we, you know, we know what's guessing and mm. it's important that you form your life on, on what's not guessing versus what is guessing. And when it comes to how Jesus returns, when it comes to pre-trib, post-trib, when it comes to the rapture. A lot of it gets into guesswork, and I would I would encourage you to avoid that. The same way, you know, you can't go too deep into the the, the dogs go to heaven conversation, uh, because it becomes speculation very quick. Mm -hmm. And the Book of Revelation was never given for our speculation. It was given for our transformation. That'll preach. It was given. It was given for our information, <clears throat> absolutely, but not to lead us onto speculation. It was actually supposed to bring clarity, not confusion. And that's, that's really important. Yeah. So you're saying not to make it a pet topic. Oh, there he is. So I realized I, I haven't been stepping up to the plate with those. So uh, I was a little fluffy, Greg. Throw you one. Oh, thank you. A... I thought we should pause for a moment and take care of that. Oh, man. I'll yeah, chew on that one for a By the time we're done. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> there we go. I can't, I can. I'm a good wingman for you. I can hang. You're, you're way better at that than I am, but I can lob a few back at you. I can, <laughs> I can, uh, I can, I can rally. I can rally a good pun here and there. So how far can we go with it? I don't know. I don't know. We, we, we got off, we got off too fast. Usually, usually you're like a dog on a bone with those ones. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. Something to sink my teeth into. All right, let's go. Okay. Let's, I don't uh, have, let's I have leave that. Else. Let's, there should, stop should have been a clause in the one. contract about this. Let's stop chasing our tail with that one. So. <laughs> All right. Sorry, two, everyone. Two more questions, and we're going to wrap up. I don't want to go too too late, but you guys you guys have been hanging around quite quite good. It's good. Do you have any more any more questions? It talks about horses in heaven. 
Yeah, mm. sort of, Charlene. Talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which are uh, they're kind of pictures of God pouring out his wrath on the earth. Um, these aren't good horses. <laughs> if it talks about horses, these are not the horses you want to be running up to and saying, oh, look at you. One whose rider is death. Um, these are these are the Narthril horses. Is that mm. the is that the Narthril? What are the what are the guys in the Lord of the Rings? Ah, uh, you got me here. Oh, you're not a not a Lord of the Rings nerd. I I am, but not you're you're more than I am on Lord of the Rings. All right, my wife would be. Yeah. Someone will correct all. us. All right, what else do we got? We got any more questions? You have any there, Greg? Yeah, I see. I uh, see one that came in. Uh, since we we're talking about being ready. Uh, can you give us ways to prepare, especially for oh, those good. who are new to the faith? Yeah. As far as preparing to be ready. Yeah. Well, I think the biggest thing is obviously where and whom is your faith? Have you repented of your sins and called upon Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? I think that's, that's primary. Um, have you bowed the knee of your heart and confessed him as Lord? Because if you haven't... Um, that's kind of first things first in in my mind. Um, I'd also speak about uh, unforgiveness. Mm. I was just reading that in the Sermon on the Mount this morning where Jesus talks about like, you know, if you haven't forgiven your brother, he won't forgive you. So mm. if you're if you're harboring unforgiveness, um, you probably you probably want Jesus to wait a minute. <laughs> before before he comes back uh oh yeah charlene jesus does ride in a horse that that is also true um but again he rides in um in conquest and triumph so i guess if you're on uh, on his side that's a beautiful horse to watch if you're harboring unforgiveness or unrepentance or you have not bowed the knee that is not a horse you want to see coming at you i'll tell you um but yeah, I would say uh, one way to prepare is salvation. Another, another way to prepare is has that salvation taken root in your heart enough that you have given the given the same forgiveness that you've been mm. uh, given. I would I would add that mm. for sure. I could think of some others, but Greg, what do you got? Yeah, it was a you know you just quoted from the Sermon on the Mount in chapter five. I think uh, in chapter seven in the same sermon, Jesus said that not everyone who says to me Lord Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, uh, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And Jesus said, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'd say the key from that is that we need to know him. Yeah. It's not about, you know, doing all kinds of good deeds and earning our way at all. It's, uh, it's about knowing Jesus. Yeah. And sure, that, that influences and speaks into the way we live and the things we do. But the key is we need to know him. Yeah, friendship. Friendship with Jesus is huge. That's where I'd, after you have received salvation, I, I would point you towards friendship with Jesus. I mean, that's the ultimate way to prepare and let him transform your yeah. life. He'll make you ready. Um, it's by his grace you've been saved and his, his grace will transform you. I think, I think the, the other, one more thing I would add though is part of that discipleship and part of him recreating you and changing you would be putting his heart in your heart. And remember, yeah. Jesus is the one who who left heaven on a saving mission. And I think I think one way that we get ready for his imminent return is that we love people who don't know Jesus enough to tell them about him. 
um, and actually be evangelists. And I will just be the first to admit that there are times I don't take that seriously enough. There are times I'll walk by people who, if I believe my Bible, are going to die and go to hell, and I did nothing about it. It's interesting. Um, I took it out of my sermon uh, a couple weeks ago because I didn't really have time. But in the church of Laodicea that you're referencing, Greg, they're just complacent, right? And I had this whole thing. I was reminded when I was preparing of, uh, I saw uh, Penn Jillette, you know, Penn Jillette, like Penn and Teller. Yep. I saw him talk about having somebody give him a Bible. And he's an ardent, like, well-known atheist. People, he's, he's an outspoken atheist. He's very kind about it. He's not a jerk atheist, which I appreciate because there's a lot of jerk atheists. The same as some jerk Christians too. So let's just be fair. But uh, he, he like, he came online and he posted something. He said, hey, somebody gave me a Bible today. And he goes, as an atheist, I want you to know that this touched me because this guy actually believed what this book says. And he said, a lot of you Christians who say you believe what's in this book, walk by people like me all the time mm -hmm. and don't, you obviously don't believe it enough to tell me because if you believe half of what's in this book, you should be telling people about this. And I thought I was really convicted by that. You have an atheist who doesn't even, who says I don't even believe what's in the book, but knows it enough to say, uh, you know what? If you, if you say you believe this book, how can you act as though it's not true? And uh, that to me really, really stung and hit me between the eyes. And I would just say one way that we prepare for the second coming of Christ is we take it mm. seriously enough, not just for ourselves, but for other people. And maybe, you know, I know there's some questions I want to get into it. Maybe this COVID crisis, I know it's got everybody thinking about the grand scheme and that's a very good thing. Maybe that really needs to shake us up a little bit to say, you know what, what if people die from this and they don't know Jesus? What if people lose everything, they lose their job or whatever, and they don't know Jesus. Like this is an opportunity for us to take seriously the message of the kingdom and actually tell people about Jesus. Yeah, I remember hearing an interview with Rick Warren once, uh, I think it was with, with Larry King. Um, and, and Larry asked him, you know, when somebody becomes a Christian, why doesn't God just take them right then? And Rick Warren said, there are two reasons that, you know, two things we can do on earth uh, that we won't be able to do once we're taken to be with God. Uh, one of them is to sin, and the other is to tell others about them. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, we really do need to be on the on mission to let as many people know as possible who Jesus is and what He's done for them, how much how they can experience new life because of Him. Yeah. And so, yeah, that that quote from uh, Pendulet that that convicts me too. You know, why haven't I walked across the street to talk to my neighbor? about yeah, jesus i know i mean it, it does it does call to question how apathetic and comfortable and lethargic we are which makes makes you have to beg you know like do i really believe this do i really own the weight of this because if you read the language of jesus i mean this is serious stuff man like yeah. he's coming back and that's going to be it you know and and he said there will be people on that day mm -hmm. Who said lord lord and there will be people who didn't say lord and they're like he's very clear there will be a separation of the sheep from the goat the wheat from the tear the wheat from the tares like not everybody's going to heaven like that's clear in the bible yeah and you know there's universalist uh, opinions out there it's got traction in this day and age i don't think you can read the book mm -hmm. of revelation and conclude 
that mm. everybody ends up in heaven and it just it's just not in there and you can't no, it's not. you can't take this the words of Jesus seriously and think you know what in the end everyone's going to be in heaven Jesus didn't believe that so no. no you go back to the uh the letter to the church in Smyrna and uh you know that's that's the crushed church you were talking about earlier they yeah. went through a lot they were persecuted um yet Jesus had nothing negative to say about them in, in that letter. Yeah. You know, it was just one of two churches uh, out of those seven that Jesus didn't have something negative or something uh, to call them on. Right. Um, and you know, they, they were, uh, they were growing, they were, they were living, living out their faith before their community. And the church has always thrived in, uh, in times of difficulty and under persecution. Um, but it's in, uh, in conditions like we live in now, well, like we normally live in now, uh, where it's easy to become apathetic and to not take our faith seriously so that if it compels us to go and talk to others about it. It's easy to put that on the back burner. Uh, and maybe with this whole, you know, I've, I've been saying to a few people that with this whole coronavirus pandemic right now, I wouldn't have wished for this, uh, but I do believe it will bring a lot of good uh, to the church, that, yeah. this, that the church will thrive through this, that God will and that he's refining us through this. Uh, he's forcing us to, um, to become more intentional about how we communicate and what we're saying to the world around us and how we're serving and, and caring for others. I think really that this, even though it's a difficult time for our society, it will be, end up being a very healthy thing for the church because uh, we're told that God will work all things for the good, even bad things. He'll work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Yeah, I, I would say on the COVID thing, let's end with this. Let's talk about this for a few minutes, the COVID yep. crisis and how this, you know, plays into Revelation and times. I will say, do I think this is, this is the end? I don't know. I don't actually. Uh, and here's why. I think there's going to be a great revival. I think there's going to be a global revival and a global awakening, mm -hmm. at least in, I think it's going to happen in my lifetime. Uh I don't know that though. That's speculation too. So let's be careful. But I, I have, um, you know, a spiritual hunch that that's that's on the precipice. I think this is leading into it. Um, I will say this: the COVID crisis might not be the trigger to the end or the next, you know, the the last stone in the process of stones before we step onto the shore. Um, but it's unto it. It's a, it's a step right like this this is a moment and i do believe that and like you said greg i totally agree it's a moment of refinement it's a moment mm -hmm. where the church has got to revisit what it looks like to be the church and you know like i'll i'll, I'll be the first to admit I, I did see one one statement more of a statement about thoughts of this time of uncertainty and important mandate for people in the church to cut back on necessary spending and contribute to more more to those in need um I'm not sure that it's fair to maybe make blanket statements about what, what is and what isn't necessary spending, but I will say that this is an opportunity for the church to reinvent what it looks like to be the church in this day and age. Um, we are the first church that has existed in the digital age, and um, it's interesting that all that's left right now, literally, we are only connecting digitally right now. Mm. Uh, we, we literally can't gather and it's causing us to have to ask the question what have we built our faith on and i was thinking about even king's church 
Um, there are things that we have done historically and, and done well and have blessed a lot of people that we currently can't do. Um, but I've been thinking about, you know, who are we and can we be the church and can we be King's church as God has called us to be in this crisis? And I got thinking about our values. Our values are, you know, uh, for King and kingdom. We exist to bring glory to God. Um, we can bring glory to God during the COVID crisis. Yeah. Um, we are on the word. We are people who fasten ourselves on the word of God. And we believe that God's word is the power unto salvation. And we can stand on the word and we can spread God's word like never before. Um, in fact, I will say this is an opportunity like never before to have uh, the ear of the masses uh one, through digital connection, but two, just through desperation. People are looking at their RSPs shrink. They're looking at their small businesses go away. They're looking at their health. They're scared. They're concerned. And it is forcing us to come out of our comfort and to deal with the big questions. And I think we have an opportunity like never before and we're already seeing increased increased engagement. I mean, this morning, I haven't looked since we streamed our uh, our three o'clock and our six o'clock, our, our, our mm. other three, three services. But our first two services this morning that we streamed uh, had about 11,000 views on Facebook alone. So to put that in perspective, like people are listening and people are watching. And this is a time for the truth of the gospel to be spread and given and told and shared. Uh, like never before and god has not called us into a season where, where we are our hands are tied you know we're not in this COVID crisis where jesus is like well i guess you can't be the church now like this is a mm -hmm. moment and this is an opportunity for us to for the light to shine we are a city on a hill and if it's extra dark that means that the light gets to shine extra bright and I, i'm believing for that and so we're asking what does it look like and you know what in some ways God's going to reveal that we're assembling a plane in midair. We just got to be faithful to what we know, you know, like the means might change, but the message never changes. And if we got to be faithful to the message, we're going to be faithful to herald the good news. We've been given that task. We've been given the task to go into all the world and, and, uh, and to tell people about Jesus and to baptize them. And that is the simple task we've been given. And uh, this is a great opportunity to do that in a new way. Um, I want to recommend a podcast. There's a podcast called This Cultural Moment by some guys, a guy named Mark Sayers and a guy named John Mark Comer. Uh, and Mark Sayers was talking about the unique opportunity for revival on the earth. Uh, we live in a time now that's globally connected. You're not just seeing that with the spread of the virus, but the spread of the news. Um, this is the first time we've ever seen the globe as like the world as one kind of unit. And that does speak to the one world government possibility, which the book of Revelation speaks of. But it also speaks of the, the one world opportunity for the kingdom of God to invade. And this is a time, I mean, think about revival, not just coming to Canada or not just coming to Europe or not just coming to South America. What if the kingdom of God came through the network? Mm. What if the kingdom of God came through the internet and connected people? people who are asking the same questions, people who have the same struggles, the same fears, they're looking for the same hope. I think we live in the greatest time ever for the church to spread the gospel and for the masses to hear it. We've never been better equipped.
Uh, and, and so I'm excited about the COVID crisis for that reason. I will be honest, it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, it's uncomfortable on a bunch of levels. We, there's so much uncertainty we don't know. Um, but what I do know is this, I've read the end of Revelation. I know whose side I'm on and I'm on the winning side. Doesn't mean I'm gonna be exempt from hardship. Doesn't mean I'm gonna be exempt from struggle. In fact, Jesus seems to call his disciples to carry a cross. Uh, but there's a resurrection on the other side of it. And I'm really confident about this. And I'll tell you what, let me just say this and I'll get your thoughts, Greg. Um, I'm coming out of the initial, you know, I don't know what I would call it, reaction to maybe fear of the COVID crisis, maybe even loss of some of the things that I don't know if are going to be part of the world moving forward. Uh, but now God is really letting me dream again and think about opportunities that we have and that I'm really trusting his word when it says, uh, you know, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates mm. of hell will not, will not overcome it. And that means COVID crisis. That means the, if, if civilization as we know it collapses, mm. if we're not able to go on the internet and, and spread mm. the gospel freely, I believe the gates of hell will not overcome the gospel and gospel will go forth and we will find ways and God will grace us with opportunity. If it's not Facebook live, it's something else. And we get to be part of the coming of God's kingdom. We get to prepare the way. Um, one thing it does say, Jesus says, when the son of man returns, will he find faith? I think that's the question of this hour. Do we have faith? Do we have faith to be obedient? Do we have faith to be faithful to Jesus? Do we have faith to be evangelists? Do we have faith that the kingdom of the kingdom cannot be shaken? Will we have faith? That's the question we have to answer right now. I don't know what you think about the COVID crisis, but that's some of my thoughts, Greg. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I agree that there there was kind of a, a an early response of fear and and panic to uh, to what's kind of going on. But I would say that just being able to lean into my faith has really given me a sense of peace through all of this. Uh, you know, Jesus, you know, told us not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Uh, I'm not quite sure how I feel about the end of that verse, that each day will have enough trouble of its own. Uh, but the idea that, that, that God has everything under his ultimate control and that I can trust him lets me deal with this, this time uh, without really stressing over it and without really panicking over it. Uh, sure, I, I've got, I have concerns and I want to act responsibly as, as, as a citizen. And, uh, you know, I want to take the appropriate precautions, but I don't want to allow panic and fear to dictate the way I live. Yeah. You know, my, uh, my wife is a pharmacist. She's serving every day on the front lines. Yeah. Uh, your wife is a nurse. Uh, so, you know, we have, we have those that we love and care for that are, are out there every day that are interacting with people who, uh, who may have been exposed to the coronavirus and may be bringing it home. Yeah. Um, you know, I've talked about that with my wife and we're not really, you know, we know that's a, a possibility and we'll deal with it if that happens, but we're not living in fear of that. No. We're just going to take the precautions that we can. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, it's, I wonder how my response would be different if it weren't for my faith. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Another thing that came to mind is that the thing I was worried about the most for us as a church uh, was another one of our code of Kings uh, built together. Yeah. I was wondering, you know, if we're not able to gather, how can we be built together? If we're meant to live in community with each other, 
what does that look like if we can't actually come physically and be together? Uh, and what I've seen online has really been remarkable as people are connecting and, and there's a different kind of community I agree. that people are experiencing right now. And I think people are really understanding that they're hungry for it. And yep. maybe they've been distracted from that hunger before. But now they're now that they're, uh, you know, for a lot of people, they're spending time at home. They're facing the reality that they they crave community. Um, I'll do a little bit of a commercial. Our, our small group ministry, a lot of our groups are going online and they're using platforms like Zoom or Facebook or Skype or whatever, FaceTime, uh, to continue their group meetings online. And they're being very intentional about that. Uh, as I say, I want to do a commercial. So if, if some of our listeners uh, out there are uh, are finding that they're craving that community themselves, then then I'd encourage you to find you know two or three friends that you want to get together with virtually yeah. on a regular basis and form community that way and build community that way. Um, you can get in touch with us at, at connect at kingschurch.cc and we'll equip you with some discussion guides and just the tools you'll need. Um, but it's a, really a great opportunity to reach out to people who otherwise might be uh, distracted by all the busyness of life yeah. uh, during this time when they really uh, recognize that need for community in their own lives. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it like this, and I'll give it a little teaser for, I think, where I'm going to go with my five-minute midweek mini-message. I'll do another one this midweek, but uh, I think this week I'm going to talk about um, it's st stuck out to me in First Peter where Paul said, or uh, Peter says, um, you know, set your, like, we have a living hope. And then he says, be sober-minded and alert. And it struck me, if I, if I were to typify how I feel right now in this crisis, I would use the word sober. It's, I feel like it's sobering me up. And you'd say, well, what were you drunk on? I'd say I was drunk on comfort and options and uh, entertainment, distractions. Uh, I think, I think I was, I think we all are at some level, uh, a little bit oversaturated with those things. And I would say my first few days in this COVID crisis was a bit of a hangover, honestly, of like, mm. oh no, well, we're a church. How are we, what are we supposed to do if we can't gather together? Or what's going to happen? Are we, we're going to have to lay everybody off. Like, how is this going to work? And I, I was, I was honestly hung over a little bit on, on, you know, withdrawal from options and plans and control and comfort and all these things, these illusions that we think we have. And I feel like the COVID crisis has the opportunity to wake up the church and wake up the world to the fact that your comfort is illusion is an illusion. Your, your peace, if it's not grounded in Jesus, is an illusion. Your hope, if it's not in Jesus, is dying and it's a delusion. Uh, and that you need to wake up and sober up uh, to the reality of, of the kingdom. And I would say, I think the church is is getting sober in some ways, um, and I think out of that we get the opportunity to to really engage the spirit. You know, the option, the the op, the opposite invitation Paul gives us. He says, "Don't don't be drunk on wine," um, or I would mm -hmm. say, "Be drunk on Western culture, mm -hmm. but be filled with the Holy Spirit." Like the kingdom life is what God wants us to in, indulge in, and to yeah. you you. And you can't get addicted to the spirit. You can't take too much. You can't build up uh, a, a, an inappropriate codependency. God wants you to be dependent on him. Mm. Um, and so I would say this is an opp opportunity to be sober. One quick question. We need to be done. Uh, I want to make sure we answer it. I just saw it uh, and it's important we, we address it. Jessica 
Uh, I want to read her question and then answer it because we can give her some good news. She says, as a fairly new Christian, which congratulations, um, mm. I worry that I'll be one of the unfortunate ones who don't get into heaven. Uh, I try my best to believe with my whole heart, but sometimes uh, I try to take control of my life and do it my way and put my relationship with Jesus on the back burner. Uh, let me be the first to say, Jessica, so do I. So, um, and any Christian who says that they don't at some times struggle or stumble, I think are being disingenuous. And there are times where whether we know it or not, we have put Jesus on the back burner. Um, and so I would first say you're not alone. And I would secondly, I would second say you don't get to heaven based on your track record or works. So the good news is um, whether or not you get into heaven comes down to the confession of your faith and the belief in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Like Romans, Romans uh, is it 10, 13 says like, if you confess with your faith and believe with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, or if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That's, is it 10, 13? Yeah, everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Yeah, yeah you're looking it up. You're, yeah. you're fact-checking. I am. I'm a brain. Um, so you get into heaven because of what Jesus did, not what you do or don't do. And as long as you cling to what he's done, there's one answer, you know, at the pearly gates, which again, talk about stuff that's been uh, been made up as far as like a stretch. Um, I don't know if the pearly gates are a thing as far as uh, what we've come to think of them as. It does speak of gates of heaven and using precious stones. But anyway, uh, you have one answer. If, G if God was going to ask you before you got into heaven, why should I let you in? There's one answer and one answer only because Jesus died for my sins. I am clinging to what he did for me and that alone. And that is the only way you get into heaven. Uh, the questions of living a life, doing, being good, uh, that's a after you believe question, which is very important. Um, and it's evidence that your salvation is legitimate, that you are working out your working out your salvation with fear and trembling, it says in, in Philippians. So if you weren't sensing some struggle and you were just sinning and not, you know, considering that at all, I would question whether or not you really were saved. Uh, that's a whole, that's the other thing. But the fact that you there's a heart about it and you're like, you're aware and you're aware that you grieve Jesus at times. That means he's got a, he's got a piece of your heart. He's just coming after all of it. And the process of following Jesus is him getting more and more access to your whole life. And that's what uh, guys like Greg call sanctification. So smart theologian types. Uh, sanctification is, is the process that where God makes us more like Jesus. And that's a daily thing. Yeah. So you got anything on that, Greg? Just no, I think you summed it up perfectly there. That's, that was awesome. Yeah. So, so be blessed, sister. You are as in, you're in like Flynn. Now the question is, can you get heaven into you? That's what Jesus wants to do daily. Maybe ask the question, you know, on a daily basis, God, how do, how do Jesus, how do you take up more residence in me? And how can I bring your truth to other people? I think if you can ask those two questions every day and be mm. obedient to it, you're going to see your life transform like crazy. The challenge is uh, doing that on a daily basis. I think we all put Jesus on the back burner at times. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, he's unbelievably patient and gracious. Uh, the Bible says his anger lasts a moment. His favor lasts a lifetime. And that is, those are words to live by. So 
Mm. All right, people, this has been fun. It's been 90 minutes. Uh, and I think, uh, I think we'll do it again, Greg. This was fun. Yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed that. We'll try to tighten up our technology a little bit. We're still learning how to do some of this. I'll get Greg some headphones and a mic, make him look more <laughs> official. We'll do a little better on the puns. I know a few to... mics who could join me. What's that? I know a few mics. I could ask them to come. Oh yeah, we keep cookie up. There you go. <laughs> Save them for the end. Yeah. All right. All right, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will uh, we'll see you this week. Uh, make sure that if you aren't connected to a community group, we will plug you in. We'd love to get some group chats going, going deeper into the scripture, prayer for one another. Uh, also, uh, Tuesday night, I think Adam and Julie are going to be doing some celebrate recovery stuff online. So as long as we're we have to, we're going to keep connecting online. Wednesday night, we're going to have our prayer service. So uh, we'll, we'll have some of us in uh, here at the church. We'll be uh, just a small group of us. We'll be hosting uh, online prayer and worship on Wednesday night. And then uh, we'll have stuff going through the week. I know they're going to do some reruns of some of the sermons. I think they're going to run the anxiety series. That should be yeah. applicable. And they're going to run the No God series as well. Um, so be, stay tuned for that. We're going to start posting some sermons that might be good for you to share with people that might have questions or might be looking for hope. Uh, because the Revelation series is stuff that I believe God's speaking to us, but there are messages in the past that could really be helpful to people who are searching. Um, and so, yeah, just stay tuned, church. Stay plugged in on Facebook. It's your best place for all the information, uh, but we'll do our very best to keep you up to date. All right, be blessed. May the, may the Lord, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he turn his countenance toward you and give you peace. Amen. We'll see you, church.